Listen to Reverend Samuel Drew, Senior Pastor of Grace and Truth Tabernacle International, Ghana in West Africa. He comes your way with this podcast. Reverend Samuel Drew is the founder of Revival Africa and Beyond, a non-denominational mission movement. He's also the convener of international conference called Zizendorf Missions Conference, which gathers people, church workers, and church ministers from around the world for a reviving experience for God's mission. Now, Reverend Samuel Drew. Father, we thank you. Thank you for dealing so well with us during our recent Word Power celebration. It is still Word Power because your Word has power. So we open up ourselves to the power of the teaching of your Word to make us what you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Second Peter chapter one, verse six. Second Peter one six. And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. By the grace of God, we've gone through what it takes to soar from the word of God. Because that is the will of God for us. God wants us to make progress. He wants us to grow up in him. He wants us to succeed in godliness and in and in life. Now, nobody should feel uh, disadvantaged for what you don't have outside of you. It's very important. If you're a child of God, you should not feel disadvantage of something you don't have outside of you. All that we require for life and godliness are inside of us. Say inside of me. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly according to the power that worketh inside. Christ in you, the hope of glory, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in this second epistle of Peter, that emphasis is still there. The the truth of becoming all that God wants us to become, which is happening by what is inside of us, not what is outside of us. Let 
Because all the things that we have discussed so far, you can't look outside of you and say, this is it, this is it. There are things that have got to do with you, inside of you. Something coming out of you. And so we must pay attention to these things. If we are going to grow, if we are going to soar, if we are going to succeed, if we are going to be fruitful, useful Christians. Verse 8 of 2 Peter 1, verse 8. For if these things be in you, say in you. One more time. And abound. Not only must they be in us, we must abound in them. Amen. 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 How many women you are married, you want your wives, your husband to love you? If you don't want your husband to love you, you can put your hands down. I will pray more for you that this sister, may the husband never love her. If you want your husband to love you, even if you are not married, but you are believing God that your husband will love you, raise your hand. It's not a sin. Amen. If you want your husband to overdo it, raise up your hand. You want to, your husband to abound. Raise it up for the next five minutes. Don't put it down. You can put your hands down. Be it unto you according to your faith. Now, I don't, the brothers, I don't know what you want. Whether you want your husbands to, or you want to get more money. And the money abound. Very good. Now, let's come to the things of God. There is nothing like overdose in the things of God. So he said, if these things be in you and abound, I want my church members, my flock to abound in certain things. I will be grateful to God. The abounding commitment. They abound in consistency. They abound in loyalty they abound in love towards one another that will be my joy if these things be in you and abound in you they make you that you shall neither be barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ Now, when you flip this exhortation on the other side, you realize that it is an irresponsible life that lays blame on others. See, the thing is addressing you, if it be in you, not in somebody else. Everything good happening to me or in me I am the direct beneficiary of it. No matter how I love you, if I eat, you will never be full. If I bath, I am the one that enjoy the freshness. It doesn't come to you. If I'm happy, it does good to my blood, it does good to my mind, to my health. It is not transferable. 
You know, sometimes some people want, they attend comedy shows and places and points of realization. Then when they close, they come back to their depression. Because the thing is inside, not outside. So it is irresponsibility that lays blame on others for the way we are. So if you have people around you who are always helping you to shift blame, they have heads to help you carry your pan of blames. So we are here, five of us. Take your, the blame, put it on person number one. Then you also give the person number two. If you are surrounded with people like that, you will never make it. Help me shift blame. Help me tell so and so he's the one that, that is the reason why I'm not doing well. Some people can go as far as even blaming God. Blaming parents. Blaming anything that they can lay their hands on. I'm saying it is irresponsible life. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me. The word me is what I want us to follow. Oh God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. You know, some people they commit something evil, as heinous as what happened here. This is a prayer of David after he had gone into Bathsheba. He didn't come to his room and then he started going, oh God, you know, the bathroom of Bathsheba was very short. Oh God. The way she was singing from the bathroom. I wanted to check what was going on there. <laughs> no. There are some people that is how they live their lives. For something as simple as this, as, as resolving and resetting and repenting and moving on. Everything has to stop for them. Because they want to prove a point. You are not going to make it that way. As I stand here, there should be nobody in life of all the years God has given me. There's nobody from the time I was born to now that I should point this finger to for why I'm not what I'm supposed to be. Not my pastor, not my parent, not my spouse, not anybody. You take responsibility for yourself. Look at verse 2. Wash me. Not somebody, me. I'm at the center of this thing. 
from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We did not, we did, we don't, we don't have a record of the prayer of Bathsheba. Nobody knows whether she prayed or not. But David said that is not my problem at all. Whether she's praying, repenting or not, that's not none of my business. I am taking care of my business. May you take, take care of your business. And that's what the Bible says. It says, steady to be quiet and to do your own business. Cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgression. You see that? And my sin is ever before me. Ownership. Responsibility. Against thee, thee only have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaping iniquity. You don't see, please open your eyes and look up here. You don't see Bathsheba in the picture. And my security guard was not around. That's why this, that's why that. You don't see all those things. Sometimes, the best thing you can do for people when they say they need help is to just let them understand that, you know what? You can't be helped because, because of your posture. When something like this happened to you, like it happened to David, and then you go like, she did this, she did that, we should close the meeting and go immediately because you have not come to your senses of responsibility. Sometimes as a nation, we can be blaming where we are on somebody. And so we inherit a legacy of blame. It's like the more you can blame somebody for why you are where you are, then probably you are going to do well. But you never do well by that. Verse 6. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. That's why we say truth in you in this church. And in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with his soul. If these things be in you. That's what we are talking about. And I shall be clean. Wash me. I'm at the center of this thing. And I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Listen, if it is your prayer, you, you have audience with heaven. Of course, not like the Pharisee who is saying, I pay dues, I fast twice, it's not that kind of prayer, but a prayer of responsibility, not pride and arrogance, and you are the center of it. Oh, yes. You will do well. If that is how you are. Amen. Even if it is your a wife or somebody, you know, maybe... She isn't doing what you are so, what you, you want her to do, or her husband is not doing what you, your prayer is not. Oh God, look at him. No, just pray for yourself that you abound in something towards her. Amen. Amen. 
Don't start, oh God, murmuring and complaining in prayer. Oh God, talk to him. <laughs> no. God probably wants to talk to you the more. Amen. Amen. Verse 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Me, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Had thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Everything here is saying that I blew it. If you flip it the other side, I, I didn't do well. I am here, Lord. I am the one. I'm lacking something. I lack temperance. I'm an army general, but I can't control the armies within my own body. Hide thy face from my sins and blood of my, my, my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Nobody is taking Holy Spirit from you. No, no group of people can meet and say, we are come to take Holy Spirit from you. No, you... You were responsible for sending the Holy Spirit away. Amen. Nobody can take my anointing away. Nobody can take your anointing away. Oh, the way, you know, uh, the way they handled this matter, the way they did this, the way they did that. You, 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 it's irresponsibility. David is saying they are taking the Holy Spirit from me. I mean, I mean uh, uh, I'm responsible for taking the, the Holy Spirit, leaving me. Not, not somebody taking the Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Nobody drags you away from God's presence. Nobody drags you away from God's presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And I will teach transgressors thy way. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Let's look at his New Testament counterpart. Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, 17. And when he came to himself, as the prodigal son, he came to himself. To succeed in life, you must come to yourself. You must come to yourself. If these things be in you and abound, how many people want to run from themselves and succeed in life? You must come to yourself. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise. I. And go to my father. And will say unto him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. But grace does not give you what you deserve. It gives you what you don't deserve. So even though he asked for something lower, but grace lifted him. When nothing else would do, love lifted me. Amen. And he arose. Oh, this boy meant it. He got up. He arose. You know, there are some people, they are so irresponsible that if mighty men come and carry his hand, he will still not go. <laughs> he, he just, he's too chum to go. That let's go to the father's house. Oh, I can't go. Then they are dragging him. So oh, I can't go. You don't make it. You won't make it. It's against the laws of progress. It's a law. All you'll be left with is pain, self-pity, depression, and you'll be at your little corner with your irresponsible self. And all you'll be having is just adding on each. He arose and came to his father. People who talk it and they do it. But when he was yet a great way off. Oh yes, if you arise, you will shine. <laughs> if you arise, you do what? Supernatural things happen when you do what? You arise. So when he got up, you see, he couldn't imagine that this is what will happen. But his father was chasing him. Good things will chase you, will come to you when you arise. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. God is a million times more than this man if you will do that. And that is exactly the exhortation in 2 Peter chapter 1 that we must be responsible. Is the reason for the catalog of things to add to our faith and to do so with all diligence. Every day you wake up, by the grace of God, there is still room for improvement. This is not a one-time add-on. That's why every day we go to school. Learn from life. Why do kids go to school? It's a daily thing. We, we, we learn we, we live by learning. You can be more excellent. Tell yourself that. You can shed off some leftovers of flabbiness and shabbiness from your life. Shabbiness and flabbiness. So, today... 30% of shabbiness and flabbiness for life is gone. Praise God. Be happy about it. It's not all gone yet. Then tomorrow, you are stretching the tentacles of your life of excellence. How joyful it will be. Listen, the receipt of responsibility is joy. Anytime you act responsible, you will have a receipt of joy to show for it. If you are not joyful, 
check your responsibility level. There is no depressed man who is responsible at the same time. No. Don't let a day pass you by without going to work on yourself. People go to work, but they don't go to work on themselves. And yet, it is what is inside you, not outside you, that will make you. You can work in the best environment and you will still be a failure because the real work is inside of you. Every day of your life, you can add to your faith also knowledge. You can reduce the level of ignorance in your life. You can reduce it. You can read some more. Study some more. Acquire a skill that will make you a more fulfilled and accomplished person. Responsibility. <laughs> Nobody can do that for you. Nobody did that for David. Nobody did that for the prodigal son. And nobody can do that for you. Every blessed day offers you the opportunity to do just that. Then you can add your knowledge to temperance. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. 1 Corinthians 9, 25. And every man that struggled for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. Temperate for all things. I'm striving for mastery. I'm temperate, self-controlled. Then to temperance, patience. What is patience? Cheerful endurance. Endurance with tears. Be a persevering person, not a quitting person. Quitters never win. It's a basic lesson of life if you think you are defeated you probably are but if you think the future belongs to you i think it's still written there if you think so then you can press on towards god's purpose for your life and you will get there and i will get there say to yourself i will get there that's the beauty of life Amen. Amen. Life is lived in the land of responsibility or you are not living at it at all. Today we have come to add an important ingredient, namely godliness. Godliness. See, and these are things inside of you, remember? If these things be in you and about. You know, sometimes people are looking for some place of worship. They don't know what makes them is inside. Every sister here should wake up. Nobody is coming from somewhere to come and make you happy what you want to be. It is inside you. Oh, this brother is a very good brother. As if he's a guitar. Or a saxophone or whatever he's coming to. Nobody has time for that. He is coming with his own bag of issues. And sometimes your issues are even more. It's not your bag, it's a ship full. 
responsibility. What is godliness? Godliness. It is the proof of the life of grace. It is the proof of the... These days people talk about grace and they read anywhere apart from the Bible. They will read somebody's book. A preacher visited our church some time ago and then he was trying... Probably he thought because of the name of our church, you know, Grace and Truth Tabernacle. So somebody he knows who teaches on grace will help me. He said it, it passed here and went through here. I never sought for it. I never listened to it. The Bible is enough for whatever you want to know about grace. Not what somebody is saying. Godliness is the product of the life of grace. Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, the verse number 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, you see, is a product of the life of grace. When grace comes into your life, it knocks out ungodliness. Ungodliness is stripped away. That is the test of grace. The test of grace is not more ungodliness. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. The test of grace is godliness, is godliness, is godliness. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. That's grace. And that's godliness. Teaching under the nine ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, soberly, righteously, and godly all these are family in this present world amen in which kind of world in which kind of world hallelujah you know sometimes you look around you on your phones and these are the days of of not just evil but evil with arrogance Oh, yes. Evil with arrogance. But thank God that where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Grace is what brings godliness. It is the product of the life of grace. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4. Show me a man who is godly, and I'll show you a man who has received grace. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. That's godliness right there, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That is godliness. What is godliness? This is godliness. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world with us, you now become partaker of the divine nature. Partaker of God. Amen. Amen. I don't know how people read the Bible. 
They are able to escape straightforward instructions and revelation in the Bible when they talk of something like godliness, then they get off track. Godliness and the mystery of God and the mystery, and their life is thinking just like that. Godliness is not making yourself a spiritual uh, 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 rocket scientist. Godliness, 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 godliness. What do you mean? Open your eyes and read the Bible and stop the junk roaming about. God is more interested in transforming your nature. Times like this should not be spent talking about the ark of Noah and the beard of Aaron and what have you and all those useless things. Come back home and learn truth and be transformed by it. Become like God. Come and learn of me. I want to see people say they are learning of Jesus. You know what will be the proof? Meekness and lowliness. Come and learn of me. Then before they could ask, how do we know we have learned of yourself? For I am meek and lonely in heart. Any spiritual knowledge that makes you pride, it is satanic. Because the moment Adam ate that thing, it was pride motivated. You shall be like God. But you know what? They became more like the devil. <laughs> from that day they had satanic nature godliness is not something just anybody can attempt it is God's grace that grants godliness grace must have affected your life in the first place Chapter 1 of 2 Peter, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To them that have obtained like precious faith. See, that's how come you could tell them, now, add to your faith, godliness. Grace has brought faith, a change, a transformation into their life. And now, add to that godliness. So it's not just anybody who can attempt godliness it takes people who have received the grace of god and by the grace of god you deny ungodliness and you step forward into godly living godliness is a step in the right direction towards god godliness is a step in the right direction towards god not away from god towards god it is a step in the direction of holiness. Godliness is a step in the direction of what? It's a step in the direction of what? Not in the step, step in the direction of having more dreams. There's no way we read in the Bible that dream because God dreams. But rather you will read, be ye holy for I am praise God. It's not difficult to find a Christian. It's not difficult at all. 
Second Corinthians seven one. Godliness is a step in the right direction towards God. It is a step in the direction of holiness. Bring that word back to church. Holiness. Some words are more popular in church than apostolic words. Terms. The whole pages of the epistle it smells with holiness. How can you deny it? How do we have some of the emphasis we have? Where did we get it from? Read your Bible, the epistles, back to back. You will see the heartbeat of the men called the apostles, the men who walk the most with Christ. No wonder the Bible says, they will not endure sound doctrine. It is not sound if there is not holiness in it. It's not sound if there is not godliness in it. I don't care whatever you are saying. You can magnify healing and prosperity and what have you. We are getting nowhere with those things except we come back to this. I told you the other time, Paul never warned anybody of becoming too holy. But he said, in case you want to be more rich, get ready for troubles. And a lot of people have had those troubles. But when you are going to be holy, no trouble. You won't have trouble. Holiness will never give you sickness. But the desire to be rich can make you sick. Hypertension for staying all night trying to do something you can't do. But the holy man is at peace. May you be at peace. When Job lost all he lost, he was still a Christian. He was. If he had retained what he had, but has lost integrity with God, he will not be a believer. But thank God that man said, my righteousness I hold fast. Not my money. My righteousness I hold fast. I will not let it go. Martin Luther said, this mortal life also can go. All we have can go. It doesn't matter. Supposing that gain is godliness. From such, he didn't say run towards it. Turn away. That gain. Gain is never godliness. I am speaking to our ears as contemporary believers. Gain is not, will never be, has never been godliness. The authority says so. It is written. So the steps in the right direction towards God, that's godliness. That's godliness. That's all. You don't have to consult Greek and Hebrew and visions and dreams. A step in the right direction towards God. So when the prodigal son said, I'll go back to my father, that is godliness. I am making movements towards God, towards home. Godliness. Second Corinthians 7 1. And that is holiness. Because God is holy. God is holy. His seat is holy. His dwelling place is holy. And the movement towards there is holiness. Having therefore these promises. You know, it is just like Second Peter 1. According as his divine power given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Having therefore, or therefore, having these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse. Because godliness, holiness is the business of the redeemed. We don't talk holiness to sinners. 
they must repent and then they cannot make that direction towards god dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness may we do exactly that that is adding to your faith godliness adding to patience godliness cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit perfecting fine-tuning holiness in the fear of god somebody say amen you see there is a sense in which we are made holy legally right like the man on the thief what did he do nothing he did not raise the computer but legally he was relieved and released from all his evil it's a it's a legal we enjoy listen we enjoy legal privileges in grace legal privileges you don't have to do anything to be justified you don't have to do anything to be sanctified in the legal privileges of the grace of god it is god pronouncing you that you are this and you are like that is it not a good thing yes but what we are considering today this godliness we're talking about is moving us from a legal godliness legally being godly to a practical moral godliness what do i mean condition is one thing character is another thing condition is one thing If you buy a product the condition is good but the way you use it is another thing we are not being honest to biblical revelation and doctrine sound doctrine if we don't move from legal judicial holiness to practical moral holiness if all we do is we are just we are just within the scope of the legal and that's great that God pronounces you justified and sanctified. Sometimes when the apostles are writing to the church, they say to the saints. It's a legal. And some of these saints, some of them are misbehaving. Think about it. Like Corinth. We are now in daily strength in, in Corinth. A lot of weird, strange characters in that church. You will meet them very soon. And you wonder, brother, you'll be greeting them. Brother, are you, are you, a, are you in the church? Are you a Christian? Yes, they are legally god has dealt in love by grace towards them but listen even the world will not forgive us if we don't move from the legal to the practical and the moral that's why we have this in the moral influence an offender who was discharged of his crime is legally innocent any offender who is discharged from a crime you go to court that's why they put white white powder on them depending on which country you come from now the court expects them to go back into society to live in practical moral innocence so at the point that we say you are discharged he is legally 
innocent, holy, righteous, godly, but society still has expectation. If he steps out, he was charged for stealing a mobile phone. Then he steps out. The first thing he did when he stepped out of the court, he stole another phone. I mean, they will bring him back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They will bring him back. I heard an interesting story of a, a, a young, uh, I mean, an elderly woman. You know, some of these old people, they know everything about everybody. Sometimes when you are stealing, they are more than CCTV. It's like they didn't see you. It's like they are sleeping, but they are recording you. <laughs> so they brought one to court to testify against somebody. Now the court's proceedings, this is how they go. You know, uh, they try to introduce everybody. So the prosecutor, even before they came to the, the offender, the prosecutor said, Madam, do you know me? Then instead of the old woman going to, you know, just saying, yes, I know you, he started describing how he, know, he knows him in, in the community. He said, you, you are not faithful to your wife. <laughs> and everybody knows it. And this, 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 that. So, oh, that is not why we brought you here. He said everything about him. Then, okay, do you know this lawyer? The lawyer too, he started on the lawyer. All his bad things he has been doing. Then the, the judge told the prosecutor, if you ask the woman that he knows me, <laughs> you are going to the gas chamber. <laughs> it will be your end. Stop this, you know me, you know me, because this woman, he knows everybody. <laughs> there, there is a problem. <laughs> May we have testimony. You see, perhaps their profession has given them some immunity that, oh, this is judge, my Lord. But the woman said, you are, you, no, they, they, you are, you, something is wrong with you. And so there are three things I want to emphasize for us in the direction towards godliness. Number one, I call it apostolic exhortations to practical moral godliness. There is abundance of it. Listen, giving is good, but godliness outweighs giving in the Bible. You know, we can run through a whole year giving, 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 giving. Prosperity, prosperity, divine healing, deliverance. They are all good. But what, what is apostolic emphasis? Apostolic exhortation to practical moral godliness. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. We're just reading the scripture. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings us salvation has appeared to all men. He is teaching on grace, but he's also exhorting us, apostolic exhortations to practical moral godliness. 
The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. It's an exhortation. This is the message. First Thessalonians chapter 5. This is what is everywhere in Scripture. This is the abundant truth in the word of God. The inescapable revelation in God's word. Let our young preachers stop a lot of detours into things that escape practical Christianity. Let's come to practical Christianity. Don't be telling us about super spiritual things that means nothing to anybody. Tell us things that will make us love God and love one another and love our wives. That's one. We must love our wives. Before I came from upstairs, one thing that was on my mind was that what if a, a church of sound families, your service, <clears throat> your service, and whatever you call ministry, whatever in church, it is it it smells evil before god if you're not treating the next person by you right as long as you see me behind this puppet families are, are, are coming all over the church you will always hear me because i'm faithful to the word of god myself and you husbands love your wives amen, amen. and wives of mate that's all you don't need to be listening to anybody on facebook for your marriage to work some of you are not married you are spending your time listening to nonsense eh? when you quote the bible to you it ends there no, no, you don't make your marriage work by somebody's experiences he's an expert expert on what my friend you better come to the bible and stop all this useless wasting of your data say amen I just delivered your data. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, this woman, he has insight. Wow. Those people, if you are into that thing, your wife, your husband will find you very complex to live with. Because what is this? You just submit to the word. A, a Christian woman in a village who doesn't have access to smartphone, how does he take care of the husband? And that husband in somewhere in a village without light but he's born again he has the phone of the holy ghost he has the smartphone of the spirit inside him he is instructed to love some city dwellers have no idea on how to take care of a woman they say that they are smart the more richer they get the more nastier they get to that woman but you see this man you can call him a fool you may never ride a car with your car how are you treating your husband your wife but that man will never let that woman carry something on the head he will be carrying it from the farm my wife cannot carry he is the carrier he will bring firewood that is christianity can you say amen you'll be listening to all those people so he's my married counselor. 
you want to marry, pray, see Reverend Anna Committee, be married, read your Bible and move on. <laughs> and follow your pastor. By God's grace. By, only by God's grace. I think I, I'm, I'm a lover man by God's grace. <laughs> when you become a pastor, you can tell your members that. <laughs> In the meantime, it is my place. <laughs> Praise the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.22 Abstain from all appearance of evil. What are you reading in your Bible? Why can't you talk about this one? You are being too super spiritual and irrelevant and foolish sometimes. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Godliness. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 4. 1 Timothy 1 4. Neither give heed to fables. See that? And Nancesem and and endless genealogies unnecessary debate with minister questions what it in say misankwa you see there is there is a feature of revival that we don't even see nowadays oh the, i didn't know that that was the kind of pictures we had where people were in tears we were praying and that kind of stuff that's not what you see now the church is like a it's like a studio they are cheering their fans no brokenness no contrition no travail of soul no repentance oba sorry na akono for kunkru yeni nyame sompa ankosra you you are sorry you are in the wrong church listen to me Adam Papa. Adam Papa. Any any ma, even Bible authors under inspiration, they did not have access to those secrets. You are busy yourself trying to break. You are an arm robber. Something is wrong with you. You have brought chisel and hammer in the church and, and break it. What do you do quiet time for? The summary of quiet time is to all to be like the blessed redeemer. I wake up in my room. I'm not interested. I have books to write. I forget about it. I'm looking for Jesus. I want to be like him. I want something devotional, not practical. I don't get up reading book on church growth as my quiet time. Away with it. I want to know him. I want something devotional, something that will lead me to worship. Until then, I can't do anything. Listen, as for this, we, by the grace of God, the Bible is here, the Holy Spirit is here. And as for this faith, we will endlessly contend for it. Oh, yes. We will. And if God is God, heaven the whole of heaven will, will back us 
Neither give it to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions. 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 The more you preach, the more questions. What kind of preaching is that? Bible studies leads to questions. Peter, It's that part of your business? A bona David If you grow better, if you grow. <laughs> It's a wakwa. Are you following what I'm saying? Sitting wood. Sitting wood. Let, give me wawa wood and, 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 and sitting wood. I hear it. For few or corner one. Yes, one by and can and one some people say sitting wood. And a sitting wood. And a debe and debe wood. And a salt. And a wine wine. Shut up. You see, there is no other way to tell you this thing than the way I'm saying it. I have to be brutally plain and blunt. Because the church is the ground and pillar of truth. No wonder you'll be extending your nose. You move from sitting wood and you'll be talking about many other things. You become a herbalist. Leaves. This. That. Yes, carpenter. A minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do godly edifying. Now we are coming. Hey, the Ukunu, all we share through when you will be all answers to all questions in the Bible. Opoba or Ben was also right now with him, evil mammy, and then all the better. <laughs> hey, I'm asking. no berry. No. Oh my goodness. I want a beautiful, submissive, a woman I can chat with and make sense. At the moment, I don't think I'm making sense. You, you, you are too complex for me. Amen. Then Paul Barnard, you know, avoid the Jana or panel two or form Anadu. Who's we a Christoni? It will grow better. Nankumadi. May the Lord deliver you from sheer nonsense. Godly edifying. What's that say? It is a way sweet. You're becoming lovely, beautiful. Wow. Can you say amen? amen? Verse 8. Verse um, 7 rather. Chapter 4, verse 7, not 7, chapter 4, verse 7 of First Timothy. But refuse profane and old wife fables. And I'm a kind, evil man. Refuse profane and old wives 
and exercise thyself unto what? Godliness. Godliness. That's what teaches some message, you know, you know, how to how to how to make your wife, your husband fall in love with you. Old wife fables. Obi can be experience be no mad talks, no seven million views. Now we come the memory come back when they did this at the corner my mini can me me pet did you see me pen when watch all nothing mommy be catch you say who better why you cause why this a winning a quantum album we who knows who play quantum album it's over in there over your cover the wolf and i'll reach out to the veterans i don't like palabra sauce you are also learning about how to use palabra sauce to control me <laughs> i remember somebody said he came from work and then the house that the wife has done all different foods cake and fish jollof and chicken no i said now what you said there oh you grow me remember i was i know what's been pressed out here i don't like it remember me on the street i want a straight food somebody says straight food <laughs> so don't, don't listen you see they are for fun you can just but don't make a master's degree in those things you become obsessed you will be able to be able to be able to be able Hey, what's the term? Refuse profane and old wives' fables. Some women they have dirty talks. Yeah, they will teach you how to be dirty in the house. Don't listen to that. Don't listen from the experiences. Yeah, as for men, as men have done what? This is how we treat a man. You, your small head, you are coming to tell us how to treat a man. How many men have you married? Even the Samaritan woman, she can't teach us how to treat a, a, a man. With all her experience. When she met the original man, she, she, she rose her hands up. Amen. Amen. If your men were, the experiences you had was bad, leave us alone. Don't generalize it. The fallacy of hasty generalization. Yes, I'm just remembering my level 100 philosophy 101. <laughs> Amen. For bodily exercise, profited little. Jim, eh? Even if the church had, it's not be bad. Maybe in the future, I don't know. But godliness is profitable unto how many things? Maybe because of time's sake, we can go on. Because I'm talking to you right now about apostolic exhortation to practical moral godliness. And I want to move from that and speak to you to an apostolic confirmation of profitable meantime godliness. That godliness in the meantime, it has profit. And then finally, apostolic persuasion of perpetual merit of godliness. That godliness is has everlasting credit everlasting enduring perpetual if you don't understand that you know perpetual it means everlasting <laughs> praise god 
Let's add some few scriptures to our exhortation to practical moral godliness so we can end there and continue next week. Chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, the verse number 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Now watch this. You are not supposed to flee from these things. This one day, you have to follow righteousness, godliness. Follow. Be on your heels. Follow after it. Follow. Somebody say, I follow. When Jesus said, follow me, this is the implication. You follow after godliness. Verse 11. Yeah, but that woman of God flee these things, follow after righteousness and godliness. Verse 3. If any man teach otherwise. Pastor, I think the way you are talking, yes. This is why I'm talking the way I'm talking. If any man teach otherwise and consents not to wholesome words, sound words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to what? The doctrine is according to what? Godliness. So what I expect is not that if it is the doctrine according to holiness, it should not make these people more worldly. The more these pastors hear God's word and, and brothers, then the more worldly they become. They look like worldly stars, but he's a pastor. When you see Pastor Dan, you don't know the difference between him and somebody I don't want to mention the name. Yeah? And they say they are Christians. They are worshipping together. But where did they get that from? You know, sometimes your argument doesn't just hold water. You are trying to make a mountain out of a pebble. Second Timothy 3 from verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They will live godly in Christ Jesus. Evil men and seducers shall watch words and words, deceiving and being deceived. But you continue down the things which thou must learn and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Can you say amen? Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I plead with you, don't throw away your lessons on reverence. Keep it there. Let's reverence the Most High God. Because he's in this place. He's here. Let's celebrate the presence of the Lord. Thou hast been assured of. Where are we? Hebrews, you are misleading me. Amen. I hope you are alive. 
Hebrews 12, 28. Let us serve God. Say, I serve God. Acceptably. With reverence and godly fear. I'm only hearing a few people. Say, I serve God. With reverence and godly fear. That's the only acceptable way of serving God. Even earthly kings and laws, they have acceptable way. That's why we have protocol. How can you force something on God? On Genesis, I'm a What is godliness? Practical, mind you, apostolic exhortation to practical moral godliness. Godliness is the product of grace. Maybe let's end on this one. Ephesians chapter 1, 5. The thing is practical and it is moral. The thing is what? And it is what? It is what? And it is? Ephesians chapter 5 from the verse number 1. But ye therefore, be ye therefore followers of God. What, what, what does a follower, what, what does a follower of God become godly? What does it make you godly? The, the direction towards God is godliness as dear children. Now, please look at, look at what it means by being a follower of God. When you read your Bible, the interpretation is right there. Amen. Amen. Don't close your Bible and say, followers of God. Tetragramo. Followers of God. 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 Hey. <laughs> Read your Bible. Read your Bible. The man has not finished spilling out from the ocean of inspiration, the exact revelation of what following after God means. He's still talking. Before commentaries came, God has spoken. Before who is saying what? God has spoken. Walk in love. That's following after God. God hates nobody. He loves everybody. For God so loved the world. As Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the midst of God. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, scripture with scripture, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. If you are godly, you'll be sacrificial. You won't live in your marriage and be doing it for that. You will run away from that dirty life. You don't deprive your husband of anything in the name of you know whatever are you following what i'm saying sacrifice sacrifice is i'm available but fornication apostolic exhortation to practical moral godliness this is godliness this is it fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as become a saints that's godliness 
neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving up thanks for this you know that no homemonger all oh, these first things they knew they knew things what do we know now this is what they knew if you raise them up from their grave, say what did what do what do you know what do you know there's a quiz like that what do you know we know that no homemonger I mean, somebody who sells fornication like he's selling fish. Fishmonger, whoremonger. No unclean person. No covetous man <laughs> who is an idolater. A covetous man is an idolater. You love money. Don't say, I don't have a honey in my house. You are serving the man. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Let no man deceive you. <laughs> for deception is for free now. The way people are deceived today. So deceived. Deceived. If we are not deceived, how can another man bath you? Even though you are somebody's wife. Sometimes I see those things on social media, they say a certain property, whatever. I don't even look at it. I said, This is not Christianity, it's something else. Don't don't bring it here. You know, it's a waste of time. Let no man deceive with vain words. For because of these things come and the wrath of God, not the blessing of God, wrath upon the children of disobedience but be not ye therefore partakers with them and they come to verse 12 for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret practical moral godliness how practical are you and moral are you when it comes to godliness from the legal from the judicial from the forensic to the practical and the moral and the vital godliness and holiness of life. Bow down your heads, let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless your name. Commit yourself to the Lord for grace, for godliness practical godliness in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Practical godliness. Practical godliness. Moral and practical. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you for your word. So help us, Lord. To live practically and morally godly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you for listening to this message today. Visit us on Facebook at GTTI Page today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every week. And remember, the future belongs to us, we believe.